0: Hello, and welcome back to The Bill Bennett Show. Thoughtful conversation about the news of the day and expose the existential threats to America. Internal threat today, uh, we're going to talk to Heather MacDonald. Heather is the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, contributing editor of City Journal, which is a great journal. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also the author of the book, When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty and Threatens Lives. That's the book we're going to be talking about today and our issues and arguments in that book. I just want to say there's a little hole in my life where Nick Saban used to be.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was, I was concerned about you actually. And I thought about texting, but I I figured you needed space to uh, process I, I, how you felt. It
0: took me a few days to get over it. Mm-hmm. Alabama football coach for those who don't have any idea, but. Um, I don't know, I don't know what it'll be like without him i mean he's he's the greatest ever, clearly, and um interesting guy to watch uh, different presence on the field from at a certain authority that I think very few other coaches have. They're looking for a replacement by the time you hear this, they may have one- mm-hmm. uh I hope it's the uh, washington coach uh, uh I think he's he's the he's the best replacement. Okay. Um, Because he's without guile and um, from Sioux City. I think he went to the University of Sioux City in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Or Sioux Falls. <laughs> but then uh, you know, worked his way up, ended up at Washington. They kept predicting he'd lose to Oregon two different times. He didn't.
1: It's interesting because for a, a while people thought that it might be Oregon's head coach, Dan Lang, but
0: Dan Lang, yeah.
1: He said, nope, not not leaving. And I do wonder, Bill, like, do you think that um the NIL and transfer portal make coaches less likely to leave in Oregon or even a Washington? To go to Alabama because there's just I mean there's there's more you can offer more things even if you're a smaller program maybe maybe it's so hard to say with so much
0: movement but still Alabama is a premier job 100% and anybody you know thinking of that has to think that's that's the place where you're watched by more people than any place else there's uh, no coach pleasure.
1: Coach Kalen DeBoer by the way yeah Kalen uh, DeBoer Kalen mm-hmm. DeBoer not not and, quite fifty, uh, not fifty just yet. Forty nine. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah, you that's know, that's good. He's got good fifteen, twenty years in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'll tell you, I I, I miss the guy <laughs> already. Uh, um, already, yeah. <laughs> Belichick, I don't I don't miss, but mm-hmm. you know he's not, and he's going to go coach somewhere else in the pros. But uh, anyway, that is that, and so um, we move on. Uh, we'll watch the Iowa caucuses. Uh, I think Trump trumps and uh, marches forward. We'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. But uh, meanwhile, this is important stuff that Heather is doing, and I'm very eager to talk to her.
1: You're listening to The Bill Bennett, Bill Bennett Show.
0: Have you ever longed for a five-star sleeping experience right in your own bedroom? Hey, it's Bill Bennett. I want you to discover the secret to luxurious sleep with Cozy Earth's Bamboo Sheet Set. It was endorsed as one of Oprah's favorite things in 2018. Now, please excuse the superlatives, but they're deserved. Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced temperature-regulating bamboo viscose bedding is a game-changer. Our bedroom now feels like a lavish retreat with Cozy Earth's comprehensive collection. It's not just sheets, folks. It's also pillows and blankets, and each night, That you lie on these is a kind of regal invite into a kind of kingdom of comfort. See the superlatives? One almost feels wrapped in style every night, making each sleep a five-star experience. Mrs. Bennett, Elaine, agrees as well. The comfort of Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced bedding is, in our experience, unparalleled. It's a blend of classic charm and modern luxury. So don't just sleep. Indulge in a realm of comfort with Cozy Earth's premium bedding collection. Now, here's a special treat. Cozy Earth is offering an exclusive discount for my listeners today. Get up to 40% off site-wide when you use the code BillBennett at CozyEarth.com. That's discount code BillBennett. Please come explore CozyEarth.com for the latest in bedding and use the code BillBennett.
1: You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show.
0: Heather MacDonald is the author of When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty, and Threatens Lives. Pretty strong. Tell us about this. What's going on, and why is it such a threat?
2: Well, Bill, I see happening on an almost daily basis uh, the destruction of colorblind, neutral standards of excellence that are not discriminatory simply because they result in non-proportional representation of different racial groups. So let me give you an example. Uh, to get into medical school, college seniors take a standardized test called the Medical College Admissions Test. It's the counterpart to the SATs. And different groups score very differently on the MCATs. Asians whoop everybody's ass Whites come in next, and black college seniors are the absolute bottom of the scores. And the response of medical schools has been, well, we should then set aside the MCATs when it comes to admitting black medical students. And this evisceration of a colorblind standard continues, Uh, recently, the Medical College Licensing Board, the, the board that's responsible for deciding whether a doctor is qualified to, to operate on you when you've had a car crash, decided to get rid of grades in the first step of the Medical College Licensing Exam and replace it simply with a pass-fail uh, grading system. Because black medical students did so poorly on the exam. And our response is not, well, let's make sure that people have the academic skills to compete fairly. Our response is to destroy standards, to destroy meritocracy in the name of an extremely unjustified uh, racial equity. And and this is a way to destroy a civilization.
0: Okay. Um So we're going to have a bunch of doctors who are maybe not qualified to do their craft. Is that right?
2: That's right. Uh, The medical schools are promoting faculty. They hire faculty uh, based on race, not merit. They they name they name uh, directors of medical schools based on race, not merit. And this is happening everywhere. Uh, If if your listeners have sons or grandsons who are not of the preferred race that now comes under the whole diversity, equity, and inclusion umbrella, they may have observed that their sons and grandsons are having a hard time getting into the graduate schools of their choice, the law schools of their choice, the medical schools of their choice, yeah. the chemistry schools of their choice, Simply because they are of the wrong race, and they can be as qualified as they want, and it's not going to make a difference.
0: Is anyone resisting this? Is any medical school you know of resisting this? No, and no, none.
2: Not, not that I know of. Uh, The, the what, what is so appalling about this moment, Bill, is that the people that are the supposed guardians of our tradition. Those who've been given the privilege of, say, pushing forward science or pushing forward classical music or art, they have all turned on their traditions. And so now you have journals like the Scientific American or Lancet in Britain or the Journal of the American Medical Association, JAMA, all publishing whole issues devoted to the proposition that science is racist, that medicine is racist the American mathematical association has now declared that mathematics is racist. So the, the, the thing that I'm writing about bill stems from the mass collective psychosis that came over this country after the George Floyd race riots. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And you had elite institution after elite institution, declaring that the fundamental characteristic of America is white supremacy we hear this from President Joe Biden all the time. He yeah. ran for the presidency in 2016 on that theory. Uh, it's coming from the elites. The elites are tearing down the civilization that gave them all of the power and affluence that they now enjoy.
0: Are the people uh, buying this?
2: Uh, well, the everybody's terrified to... To counter speak it. out
0: speak out against it
2: if you speak out against racial preferences in in an academic setting, if you point out that racial preferences are actually a cruelty on the part of college administrations because they set students up to fail, any type of preferences are it's the same if you use gender preferences to admit me to MIT, which is going on, females are being admitted to MIT. With, with lower qualifications than males, well, that's not helping them. You know, you're setting people up to fail. And, but if you talk about the consequences of what's known as, as racial academic mismatch in a university, you will find yourself fired. It happened to a Georgetown Law School adjunct professor who was discussing in private on a Zoom call that happened to have been recorded with a fellow teacher, she was, she was discouraged and, and depressed by the fact that in her class, blacks were always at the bottom of the grading curve. She did so on an objective basis, and that was because they'd been admitted into a school where their qualifications were not comparable to those of their peers. She was fired. She was fired for telling the truth in a private setting. There is that now, degree of censorship going on.
0: When you say setting them up for failure, does that mean that they don't finish medical school? The, that there, uh, there, is, the, there is there is there's a filter and and the filter comes late rather than rather than when it should, but they don't finish and they don't become doctors.
2: Well, I know the data better on law school and in law okay. school, that is definitely the case. The black failure rate on the bar exam uh, f- sort of, pr- of of never passing is five times higher for blacks than whites and and blacks in law school after their first year, which is when grading is the most objective uh, and, you know, it's all done on, on an anonymous basis, two thirds of black first year law students end up in the bottom 25% of their class and half are in the bottom 10%. So yes, at, at some point there are some consequences, but colleges and, and and graduate schools try to keep people going along as long as they can.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. But there is the bar then presumably is not part of this problem in the case of the law school.
2: Well, the bar exam is now being lowered. The passing score is being lowered in in states across the country because blacks do so poorly at it. Yeah, I I, I mean, the rule is this, Bill, every standard that is neutral and colorblind and fair that has a disparate impact on blacks is being torn down as we speak. It is happening right now. And and the reason for this disparate impact, Bill, if I could just put some numbers out here and sometimes numbers are hard to take in orally but i i think the public needs to have a sense of how big these gaps are this is why there's disparate impact 66 percent of black 12th graders do not possess even partial mastery of the most basic 12th grade math skills defined as being able to do arithmetic or read a graph 66 percent of black 12th graders are not even partially skilled at basic math skills. They can't even do that. And the number of 12th grade Black students who are advanced in math on a national sample is too small to show up statistically. This is a problem, but we turn our eyes away from it and instead say, well, these are racist institutions if Blacks are not admitted equally. The solution is to... Look head on at the skills gap. The family culture in the inner city has to change. The stigma against acting white has to change. The solution is not to call the standards themselves racist and tear them down. But that's what's going on. There's a race hustle going on by black leaders and the white elites. And we have to stop, Bill, because, you know, we've seen it recently being covered in the in the air traffic controllers,
0: yeah. they're being chosen
2: yeah. on the basis of diversity. Good luck with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Heather MacDonald is our guest. Her book, When Race Trump's Merit of the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty and Threatens Lives. Pushback. Is there pushback? Is there any body, any institution, any group pushing back against this uh, have The American people had a belly full. Um, Any any signs out there of resistance, even if even if quiet, I guess.
2: Well, you know, I'm I'm generally a pessimist, (laughs) so it takes a lot for me to like be optimistic. But I have to say, Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis, has been very creative and courageous in trying to eat away at some of the linchpins of this dangerous, mm-hmm. dangerous, anti-meritocratic regime. You know, he has he has tried to ban racial preferences in college admissions. Now, of course, colleges, including subsequent to the Supreme Court decision this summer, they're all going to try and evade the rule against racial preferences. And they've got many sneaky ways to do it. But DeSantis has done that. He's tried to ban uh, mandatory diversity statements for hiring faculty that basically require faculty to sign on to a regime of double standards in order to even be considered for a job as a neurologist or as an oncologist, something that is completely irrelevant to the advancement of science. Uh, and and he's trying to cut down on the diversity bureaucrats that maintain this regime. That's a very good thing. And other governors are are trying to follow suit. Also, in the wake of the amazing... Outburst of pro Hamas sentiment uh, on the part uh, of college yeah. students and and faculty after the October seventh terror attacks in Israel. There's been attention brought to the DEI bureaucracy, uh, sometimes in misguided ways, other times a little more realistically, and that's a, that's a start. I mean, there's a mistake. There's a there's a risk that everybody's going to think, well, if we can somehow Defenestrate all these DEI bureaucrats; the problem is solved. That's not true. The problem is much deeper than that. It's certainly much deeper than anti semitism. But there is awareness, really, for the first time in decades, of how bad things are in colleges. and And I hope that the momentum will not will not fall away.
0: All right. There was a lot of uh, celebration and self congratulation. Uh, and congratulation of others when the president of Harvard stepped down. Yes. Uh ding dong, the witch is dead. I don't mean that she's a witch, but right. uh, there was a lot of, you know uh, was this uh, premature, was this uh, disproportionate? Yes, I mean, it's
2: premature. Yes. Okay. It's this, it's a very this good Didn't sign.
0: accomplish much or it is a good sign.
2: It, well, it's better than the alternative, for heaven's sake. She you know, yeah. had she been <laughs> yeah. had she, but but let's wait and see who her replacement is. Let's wait and see who Claudine Gay is replaced by. I can virtually guarantee you, Bill, and here's where my pessimism comes in it is not going to be somebody who says, I believe in meritocracy and academic excellence. I am not going to modify the word excellence with inclusive excellence. Uh you know, there it's I've I've written about there's very interesting there's a group of, of wealthy donors at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, led by this guy, Mark Rowan, and, and another uh, high finance hedge fund guy named Ross Stevens. And they, they initiated the alumni revolt against the University of Pennsylvania for what they saw was an inadequate response to the pro-Hamas uh, frenzy right. that yeah. overtook there. They're, what they have done is they've worked with faculty to draft a new constitution for the University of Pennsylvania, And it says the University of Pennsylvania believes in free speech. It believes in academic excellence. Implicitly, it does not believe in diversity. It believes in colorblind meritocracy. And their hope is now that they've that Liz McGill, the president of University of Pennsylvania, is out that any new president to be considered for the job of the University of Pennsylvania would have to sign on to these principles. They would refound the University of Pennsylvania under a new footing, or one rather that is traditional, that says the purpose of college yeah. is knowledge and passing on a cultural inheritance. It is not some sort of social justice, racial engineering racket.
0: Good. All right. Well, we'll and we'll see what happens there, right? Right. Right. Um, but the, the big money, the, the big money seems to be able to talk there a little bit at Harvard. I think it with this Ackman fellow. Uh, so, so that uh, the, those are those are good signs. Good but signs. What What about the, the general reaction to Harvard and uh, her resignation? That did people did people think they won a broader victory than they actually did?
2: Yeah, you know she can be just a scapegoat, and it it can be. A way of sort of placating people, and and she's and, still
0: on the faculty, right? Right. And she's still um, making whatever it is, gazillion dollars a year, nine hundred thousand, yeah. whatever.
2: Yeah. I mean, and it'll be you know, I here's what's something to look forward to in the new year, Bill. When Harvard starts up its spring semester or winter, whatever they call it, when students come back from the from the Christmas break, they're going to have a revolt on their hands. Harvard is because. These students are going to be spitting mad that Gay was forced out, and <laughs> you know the, she she wrote a unbelievably uh, defensive, self pitying uh, op-ed yeah, in the New York yeah, Times, yeah, yeah, blaming it. racism on her on her being forced out, and the students having been seeped, having been marinated in the racial ideology for all of their time at Harvard and before. They're going to side with Gay on this. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out.
0: Same at Pennsylvania?
2: Probably, yeah. But but she's white, so they don't have the race card. The problem is you've gotten I rid see. of a black female at Harvard. I so. see. Okay.
0: They're a little different, yeah, or very I different. Mean, how much there's nothing of this? More,
2: and that. And let's just say that's what makes race claudine gay the the former president of harvard that's what makes her claim that she was forced out because of racism even more preposterous because liz mcgill a white woman the president of of penn was forced out weeks before claudine gay yeah, was yeah so that you know it, it was not racism that that led to their both of their problems it was their perceived inadequate response to anti-Semitism. Now, I disagree with that, but but that's a different story.
0: DEI, diver, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, was this born in the university? Was that the hatchery?
2: No, the it actually wasn't. That's a good question, because no, it wasn't. It was born in the corporate world. I Remember writing in a cover story for the New Republic in the 1990s on the corporate diversity training. There was this huckster, R. Roosevelt Thomas, that would go around and and instruct corporations of the fact that if they were not uh, getting the same promotions internally of blacks as of whites, it was because they were racist and they were imposing such white supremacist ideas as you know, promptness and accuracy, and they needed to learn how to manage, or then the phrase become value difference. And so there was this whole huge corporate uh, consulting scam that came about and is still in place. You know, corporations are still paying now people like Robin DiAngelo to come in and tell them about their white privilege. So this began as much in the business world as it did. Uh, in the academic world. Now, of course, ultimately, all the theory about white supremacy yeah. was was an academic concept, but it also had, you know, take up in the black radical movement of the 1960s.
0: OK, uh, we're well, talking to Heather MacDonald. The book is when race trumps merit of the pursuit of equity, sacrifices excellence, destroys beauty and threatens lives. I, again, I want to talk about the connection between the university and the so-called real world. Well, maybe that's the question itself. Is there that distinction anymore? Uh, you know, we used to say, well, they can do all this frolicking and posturing in college, but when they get out into the real world, they'll see that that doesn't work. But what you're saying about the corporate world <laughs> – is that when they get in the real world, it's the same world.
2: Absolutely. And I have to say, I never said that. I, you know, this was most famously said by a journalist, to my respect, enormously, you know, who knows much, much more than I, Michael Barone, who wrote a whole book oh. about that thesis, Bill, you know, that, that there's hard America and soft America, and hard America would, would you know, stiffen the spine, and, and uh, there's no way it would capitulate to absurd ideas of of you know racial and gender equity well he was wrong i mean that and that was obviously going to be wrong because the new generation comes into these corporations the ceos are terrified of their left wing wives uh and the the hr department is the most uh intensely linked to academic victimology and, and we've seen, you know, time and time again with these corporations, I mean, Disney is just something stunning and depressing to behold. It has completely yeah. betrayed its mission of, of trying to create uh, and maintain childhood innocence and beauty uh, and wit and irony and instead is insistent on, you know, brainwashing kids in the latest intersectional ideology and and you know profits be damned it's really quite incredible
0: yeah profits be damned interesting isn't it i remember michael medved writing about that saying you know if they were uh, interested in uh, in profits uh, the movie makers would make a lot more movies that the general american public would appreciate and not shun but uh, I,
2: I, yeah i mean i think there's going to have to come a time where The government forces us to pay for for these products, because right now the Americans still have the vote and they still have their pocketbooks. And so, yeah, Hollywood puts out these remakes of various action movies, which, frankly, I don't have much interested in. But, you know, the target audience is usually the adolescent male. And, And so they're making these incredibly woke remakes of them and audiences stay away. That's a problem. I predict there's going to be a there's going to be some kind of tax that <laughs> we'll all pay that will ensure that well you can make the movie and you can get a profit anyway. You know you won't have to risk uh, bankrupting your company because it's going to be so important that we have these intersectional lesbian black disabled superheroes that are you know cleaning yeah. up after the failures of the heterosexual. Sexual, straight, white, male—you know—villain incompetence.
0: Right, 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 right. Is the where's the generator though? I mean, you said uh, mentioned the corporation and, and and the article you wrote. Uh, is the generator now the university, or is it all over the place? I mean, if you wanted to get to the heart of this, where would you go?
2: Well, it's it's now K through twelve and the university. Yeah. Um. Yeah uh, and you know what we 've seen too with the pro Hamas protests, which is the great intersectional coalition out in the streets, you know that are not it's not always university related uh but it's it's people who have come out of the university yeah. Yeah. Uh, um so yeah how you how you yeah. take it back i you know it's got to start with a different education system. Okay. parents, parents have to be taking their kids out of the schools, homeschooling, classical academies. They are.
0: are. And
2: they are. They are. And 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 Republican philanthropists have to do a lot more to make that available to all parents.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, Did you see the article on the SAT today? Uh, No, a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was The New York Times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: it said, well, goodness, we got rid of the SAT in the name of, you know, DEI. Uh, but turns out, uh, the alternative system, uh, was even worse. Yeah. Uh, in terms of results.
2: I know Uh, it predicts uh, there's no, there's nothing better that predicts academic success
0: than SAT. uh, Right.
2: Yeah. It's color. The whole point of it was to be colorblind, class blind, and just come up with skills. And, You know, the mystery is why places like the University of California not only made it the SAT submission optional, they banned it entirely. And the reason for that, because it's it's counterintuitive, because if you're a school, you you want to have that information, which you then can ignore and all schools race norm their standards. So they have a completely different standard for admitting black students than they do for whites and Asians, they admit black students with SAT scores that would be automatically disqualifying if presented by white and Asian students, but they want the best blacks within the black cohort. And the SAT allows them to choose that just as they want the best whites and the best Asians. So why then would the University of California ban the submission of the SATs? And my explanation for that, Bill, is that they want to put the college board, which administers and and makes money from the SATs out of existence. Because right now, the SAT, along with some other of these standardized tests, like the the medical college admissions test or the law school admissions test or the GREs or the National Assessment of Educational Progress, are the counter evidence that we need to fight the race hustle. They give us the evidence of the skills gap that is the better explanation for why we do not yet have racial proportionality in, at Google, at a uh, you know a, yeah, an, yeah. A, a, a cancer research lab that's trying to save women from breast cancer. Why you know certain venture capital firms are not going to be proportionally diverse? We've got to have this data, and yet the 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 goal of the left is to make that data completely unavailable to the public yeah, yeah. so that the only allowable explanation for racial disparities is racism. And yeah. as long as that's the only allowable explanation, the left wins and it's all coming down.
0: Yeah, no, I'm involved in efforts to, uh, with colleagues to protect the NAEP the National oh, Assessment. Good. Uh, my audience knows how how much I respect it. Um I I I built it up to uh you know uh, uh, added added funds for it when I was secretary that was many many years ago. But
2: fantastic. It, it,
0: it has maintained its ability to be, you know, independent. Yep. But how lo- how long that lasts we don't know. Let me ask yep. you this. Um I, again I want to give the title of your book uh When Race Trump's Merit of the Pursuit of Equity. Sacrifices excellence, destroys beauty, and threatens lives. So the people I I asked you, you know, whether there's reaction to it, you admit, agree that there's reaction at elementary and secondary, that we have Moms for Liberty, we have people pulling their kids out of public schools where they don't like things they're being taught. Homeschooling is exploding uh, by two or three times. Uh, charter schools, classical academies—you mentioned all true. That's happening. But I asked the other day, in light of the Harvard situation, whether the same thing is true of higher ed. Mm-hmm. Are people not applying? If your kid gets into Harvard, do you not send them? Oh. Is there any? Is there anybody out there whose kid gets into Harvard who says, "Nope, we're not going to do it." <laughs>
2: question answers itself doesn't it yeah that's that you have put your finger on the problem and i get this asked this all the time you get asked this all the time where should i send my child and the problem is you know there are some efforts to create alternative institutions now you know most famously the university of austin in texas and and ralston college down in south carolina but the problem that all of these new institutions have is they is the prestige gap Let's face it, Bill, there's very few parents who actually send their children to college because they want to cram their children's empty noggins with as much substantive knowledge as can be fit in there in a mere four years. Most parents want bragging rights at cocktail parties that their child is going to Amherst or Williams or or Dartmouth or Middlebury, uh, and they want that name brand recognition, and if you're starting out with a new institution – uh, that's harder Now, obviously, the, the question arises, Hillsdale, you know, and Hillsdale's doing very, mm-hmm. very well. It's got, you know, enormous uh, uh, endowment. People are f- funneling money its way and its profile of the students are going up and up. And that's a good thing. But, you know, we need more institutions like that. Uh, and it, but it's very hard to compete with the legacy institutions. And the the way to do it would be to advertise, say, we admit based on IQ scores or something so that parents could say, well, you may not have heard of the University of Austin at Texas, but the only way that my child got in was because he was at the very top of the IQ score. And and that would allow you to have equal bragging rights.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to put in a word for my favorite place I've been several times, and that's Grove City. Um, I don't know if you've been to Grove City. I've not. But, no. Okay, but it's a, a wonder, a wonderful place. They don't take federal funds. They act independently, and they do a great job. And you, Fantastic. you go up there, and the enthusiasm of the students. So, yeah, I was talking to parents recently who uh, were talking about. I think their their two sons were at Trinity, uh-huh. and I said, "I said, well, how's 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 the teaching?" They said, "Oh, they're getting all this indoctrination,"
1: Ugh.
0: and and I went on and on. And they said, "You know, uh, how, what could we do? I mean, what what could we possibly do?" And I said, "Don't write the check."
2: Uh huh.
0: And they looked at me, you know, like, "Are you crazy?" Yeah. You know, you know, and you know, and that that's really not a lot of prestige prestige there either. Uh, okay, let's let's talk about ways to reverse this. Uh, where's the lever? Um, how, what do we do? Um, look, p- parents seem to have known what to do on the elementary and secondary level. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we do vis-a-vis the colleges? What do we do vis-a-vis the corporations? What do we do as a society? Um, you praise the Santas, but he's not going anywhere. I mean, I'm sorry to say, I like him a lot, admire him a lot. Um, and, you know, I think Trump will be the nominee. And, you know, you said we have free elections. I'm not so sure. Are you really sure? I'm not so sure. Um, you know, I mean, there's all this dissatisfaction with Biden. But if Biden and Trump match up, it's like two-point difference. And, you know, those guys will find a way to make up those two points, those three points. I was trying to figure this out the other day. I was saying, what are they going to do? And then all of a sudden – This thing in Colorado pops up, you know, Uh, Donald Trump won't be on the ballot, Uh, you know, uh, won't be on the ballot in Maine, according to the the Maine officials. Um, I mean, I I think he's a deeply tarnished candidate. And, you know, uh, I I, I, I don't know if he could win, but I think they're going to do things to be sure that he doesn't. I don't know whether you want to comment on that or not. It's very political.
2: Yeah, it's very political. I would say I I think there will be things happening like the lawfare in public, you know, that's that's their right. Let them duke it out in court. Uh it's unfortunate, but they certainly are going to try and stop him. I I would just be reluctant to send a message to voters that the their vote doesn't count i know and that, I know. and that, and yeah. I, I i do not believe that that behind the scenes election fraud to to try to destroy legitimate votes uh is is particularly widespread i think that the hmm. real problem is that but but again this is far outside our field right now bill but i i think the real problem is the, the uh asymmetries in Messaging, you know, the mainstream media is grows ever more left wing. They control the discourse. That's the problem that, you know, that's that's more something to worry about than vote destruction, which, you know, goes on to a certain extent, I guess. But I I just I'm I'm more inclined to uh, believe the claims of evidence that there was not sufficient fraud going on to tip the elections. But I know your listeners probably feel very differently. And I can just say, we can agree about a lot of things without necessarily agreeing about that. As far as, and I just, you know, to, to sort of play off the subtitle of my book, which is also how it the war on merit destroys lives, let me just bring out another side of this whole question of racial disparities and disparate impact. If If your listeners, Bill, have been... Wondering what the heck has been going on in the criminal justice system for the last couple of years after the George Floyd Rice riots and why prosecutors are declaring entire categories of crime off limits that they're not going to prosecute. And we see criminals being turned back and back and back to the streets without any punishment. Police not making arrests, not making stops. It's for the same reason. It's for the same disparate impact reason that if the law is enforced in a colorblind manner, it will have a disparate impact on black criminals, not because the law is racist, but because black criminals are disproportionate. Blacks in the inner city commit crime at vastly disproportionate rates. Black juveniles in the post-George Floyd world are shot at 100 times the rate of white juveniles, That's because they're shooting each other at 100 times the rate of white juveniles. And so we have decided that we're simply not going to enforce the law and we're going to let crime go through the roof, then enforce the law in a colorblind constitutional fashion and put a disproportionate number of blacks in prison. And the result of that decision to not enforce the law is thousands more black lives being taken in these Um, senseless drive by shootings. So that's the other side of this disparate impact poison
0: yeah, yeah. that is
2: taking down our civilization. Um, uh, and
0: you meant you meant a hundred when you said a hundred. You meant a hundred.
2: I meant a hundred. One hundred times black juveniles are shot at one hundred times the rate of white juveniles. Blacks and they're between shot, the- and they're
0: shot by other black juveniles.
2: They're not shot by the police. They're not shot by whites. They're shot by black juveniles, which is why you never hear about that, because the only time you will ever hear about a black person being shot is if a police officer or a white person does it, and that almost never happens. Uh, The the rate of interracial violence is precisely the opposite of what we've been led to believe. Blacks commit 87 percent of all interracial violence between blacks and whites and whites and blacks. A black person is 35 times more likely to commit an act of violence against a white person as a white person is to commit an act of violence against a black person. And yet, what does Joe Biden tell us? that black parents are right to fear for their children's lives every time those children step in the street because of racist cops and white supremacists that yeah. is an outright lie
0: yeah 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 and and you would do you believe that a large part of the origination of that, that particular problem has to do with the black family absence of fathers etc.
2: Yes, kids, the black out of wedlock birth rate now is 71%. 71% of all black children are Mm. born to single mothers. That is a civilizational catastrophe.
1: You cannot
2: on average socialize males, there's, you know, heroic single mothers that may be succeeding, but the odds are against them. And when you have a culture where marriage disappears, and there's no expectation that boys are will be responsible for the children they father that is a recipe for chaos boys are not learning impulse control they're not learning deferred gratification they're out running the streets the mothers are not controlling them they're out in the streets at 2am engaging in these insane drive by shootings uh and and you know the 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 rate yeah. of <laughs> black homicide is unbelievable. Blacks between the ages of 10 and 24 die of gun homicide at 24 times the rate of whites in that age cohort. And nobody Mm -hmm. talks about it. Nobody talks about nobody. The press does not give a damn. The black activists don't give a damn. There's been no protest at the black children who've been fatally gunned down in their beds and front yards at birthday parties, jumping on trampolines since the George Mm -hmm. Floyd race riots. Because their killers have been black.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, we are talking to Heather MacDonald. Uh, very compelling. Um, her book is When Race Trumps Merit. Or the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence. Destroys Beauty and Threatens Lives. I may be remembering incorrectly, but I was, I was taken with this phrase, destroys beauty. We had a conversation a few months ago. About one of the people I really like in music, Placido Domingo, right? Yeah. Uh, And you were talking about him being kind of shut out. Yeah. Where Where is he now?
2: I don't know. I mean, he's certainly not singing in the United States. The United States is much more of a of a martinet when it comes to enforcing political correctness than Europe. Uh, So whether he's able to sing in Europe, I don't know, but he's he's banished from the Met. It's utterly humiliating because a bunch of whining uh, second rate sopranos complained that he had acted as a Latin male towards them and was, you know, charismatic and and, you know, maybe gave them a kiss in an elevator because that's his personality. It's outgoing. Uh, And they and they brought him down. And, and he was humiliated by the Metropolitan Opera. Uh, that's, that's going on with other great artists as well. And these are, you know, females who are out on a vengeance crusade against males, and their power is that of destruction. They can bring people down. Uh, they can't create, but they can bring people down, and they're going to do that.
0: This uh, You just reminded me in another context, but this whole thing about men and women's sports this isn't going to work, is it? It's not going to fly, is it? Despite it has what. So
2: far. I mean, I just. Well, I'm, I mean, I
0: know I, officialdom has blessed it, but American people haven't blessed it.
2: Well, there has not been. There's been far less of a revolt than I would have expected, Bill. Yeah. I mean, I thought, okay, yeah. there's no way. There is no way that a mother is going to allow a male, a boy, into her daughter's locker room or bathroom. And yet there has not been a revolt. The signs are up all over in my gym here. We've got our little, you know, gender equity sign that you may use the bathroom of your gender identity and all that. It's, it's bizarre to me. And there's obviously people like Riley Gaines that are trying to fight this or Ma- Martina uh, oh, Rowling. Yeah. but, but, but not, I, I would have thought it would have absolutely ended, but it has not. It is an incredible thing. There's nothing stranger in all of human history for for millennia, for hundreds of thousands of years. There is nothing stranger than this trans social contagion.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm surprised by uh, fathers. Um, Uh And and I've talked to a bunch of fathers because I know a lot of fathers because our boys went to school, you know, and I got friendly with the fathers mostly at sporting events. Yeah. Fathers of boys talking to the other fathers of boys. And, and then I've talked to these guys recently because they have daughters, too. We don't have daughters, but they have daughters. Yeah. And, and why aren't you mad as hell about yeah,
2: this? Yeah, right. And
0: they're not for some reason. <laughs> I mean, I mean they they don't buy it. They don't, you know, when, they, when they're when asked, they say, no, no, no. But but they're not raising hell about it like, I know. like they are when it comes to schools. I don't understand it.
2: Well, you know, to be a male and opposing this, the the culture hates males. Yeah. So you know, what, you're just going to be, you're your gonna step. be watch right. Your step, so it's yeah. really if it's going to come, if it's going to be taken back, it frankly has to be the mothers because they're the only ones with any kind of cultural capital, social capital. Again, we've just waging a continuous war on males. Uh, but yes, it's it's very strange. Now, I have to say. I'm actually taking a fiendish delight in this bill because the feminists destroyed male sports through Title IX. They said, well, you know, if we're if we're funding football at a higher rate than women's lacrosse, that's because we're sexist. And so we have to cut funding for male sports that are bringing in the crowds that may be bringing in the, you know, the 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 sponsorships and whatnot in order to make sure that we fund female sports at equal rates. And so we put a lot of male teams out of existence. Well, so now you have the feminists having built up female sports. Those sports are being destroyed by these pathetic loser males that decide to declare themselves female so they can win rather than coming in last place when they were still in the male leagues. And the feminists can't stop it. So I say a curse on both your houses. I really don't care. You know, it, it could not have this this destruction of female sports could not have happened to more uh legitimate uh victims as far as i'm concerned because they went ahead and destroyed male sports so it's all just chickens are coming home to roost
0: I promise to let you go at the bottom of the hour um we appreciate you very much heather and and, and admire you and and learn from you are there others out there like you <laughs>
2: um i don't know if i wish that on anybody but uh, yeah, there's people even within the university that are fighting like Amy Wax at the University of Pennsylvania. So uh-huh. uh, she's, she's really courageous.
0: How many names could you, could you list? Could you list 10?
2: Um, well, I, I guess it depends on how, what the narrow definition of is like me. I mean, I, I'm certainly not the only person who's been writing about the the travesty that is American higher education for a long time. So um, I, you know, I, I, respect enormously my peers and and a lot of people are trying to fight this fight
0: there are okay well that's encouraging isn't it
2: yeah uh, and you know but whether we end up just talking to ourselves i don't know and and so but but people they need to be educated they need to ask what their students what their children are learning in schools ask to see the the curriculum the syllabus and and will realize that Education really matters. I mean, I'm, I don't need to tell you this, Bill, and I'm sure you're telling your audiences all the time. Students should read the great books. If they don't, yeah. if if your if your yeah. child leaves the education system having not read the classics of Western civilization, you have failed in your mission to give your child the best possible life. Go get some of Edie Hirsch's works that yeah. list the the things that one needs to be culturally literate, yeah. and start from there. Uh, you know, it, college is not about it's not about debate. It's not about critical thinking. It's not about networking. It's about substantive knowledge. And and we need to be promoting that idea. Even conservatives don't get it. They they say too much. Oh, it's just about free speech or debate or whatnot. No, it's about no. Re- it's about reading books.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. That's about knowledge. Knowledge is a very powerful thing. Yeah, very d- a dangerous thing. Thank you very much, Heather MacDonald, Thank you so much. When race trumps merit or the pursuit of equity sacrifices excellence, destroys beauty and threatens lives. We're so glad you're there. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Bill. It's always fun to talk to you. Thank you again.
0: Thank you. The only person who ever recommended I read Berlioz.
2: <laughs> I hope and you I,
0: did. And I did. Good I for you. I listened dutifully. Thank you. Bye.
2: Thank you.
1: Bye-bye. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show.
0: And that just about does it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Be sure to tell your family and friends. Also share it on your social media pages. Feel free to like me on Facebook. Search Bill Bennett. And follow me on, what, Twitter?
1: So, yeah, you can say Twitter. People know exactly what you're talking about. But it's called X officially now. X, but we'll okay. say Twitter. Oh. That's
0: fine. X at William J. Bennett. Uh, you can also uh, email yep. At Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail com